In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. What a show we have today. This is Drew. Thanks so much for listening. And hey, before we even get going, will you do me a favor? Will you please subscribe to this so, you know, it comes to your inbox and you're all set. You get it every Wednesday and your week is complete and my family has food on the table. Thank you so much for doing that. Now, today on the show, going one-on-one like we always do with my good pal, John Harris. We're going to do a What If I Told You. We've got a cream of the cropper for next week. And then... We're going to hand the baton off to Shaquille Olajuwon Mason. Yes, that's Shaq Mason's full name. We're going to get into that with him and have a lot of fun. Do a Drew's Dozen. He's going to answer some interesting questions. And then after that, we got to kick it over to Caroline Hendershot of the New York Jets. She's got the inside skinny on what's happening up there. No, she doesn't know exactly what's happening with the quarterback position, but who does, really? But without further ado... We're going to go now to my pal, John. Here is Johnny and I doing In the Lab. That's right. It's time. It's you and me, John Harris, Drew Doherty. John, good to see you, man. Yeah, man. Texans living large. Big <laughs> win last Saturday. Big game this week against, this looks like on paper, a really, really shaky New York Jets team. But before we get into all that, what's your favorite thing about taking a trip to New Jersey slash New York with the Houston Texans. You've done, you've done a few of these over the years. Yeah. Uh, she has said you've done a few of these almost. Yeah, you've done. You've done a few of these. Uh, you know, it's, it, the last time you know, last time we went to face the Giants. Last year? Last year. Uh, we got in later for some reason. There was something wrong, like the trip. I don't know why. We got in later. I just remember that. That, was, that wasn't as fun a trip um, just because I kind of hung in the hotel and that was that. Um, but a few years ago, my nephews were both living in New York. They love football. They love sports. I mean, you know, I just I love those two to death. And so we met up in, we met up in uh, Greenwich Village, had dinner, had a great time, and then the Texans went out and beat the Jets uh, on that Saturday, which is cool. Um, that was a fun trip. That was that eighteen. Was, yeah, that was eighteen. Fourteen. Uh, you and I, um, Jay, we had a good time roaming New great, York. We got there on Friday for a Sunday. That's the best we had one. All ever. day Saturday. That was fun. Sleep in Saturday. All day Saturday. <laughs> And then game on Sunday, unfortunately, lost to the Giants. But um, we're 0 for the Giants, but uh, we at least beat the Jets there in 18. So hopefully we'll be 0 for 2 Giants, but 2 for 2 for two against the Jets, hopefully, this Sunday. And, you know, you brought it up. It's a it's an interesting squad on the other side. I mean, that defense is arguably the best defense in the league. Mm-hmm. You're not going to find many that are better. You can find some that are on the same line, you know, kind of the same level, maybe the 49ers, but not many. Um, but the offense is such a disaster right now for multiple reasons. And, you know, you, you read this week that, you know, Zach Wilson going back in the lineup. Is he not, uh, Trevor, like, what are they doing? Tim Boyle is the start of the last two weeks, but then he's cut and really it's, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a mess. And then of course you got Aaron Rodgers and all that, which I, we're not going to see, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, it's odd because your offense, which is, you know, been doing some really good things. Now it's to face the best defense in the league. Your defense, which has been doing some good things, facing arguably one of the worst offenses in the league. So, uh, and there's going to be weather uh, issues. So, I, you know, it's probably going to be just an ugly, ugly game. But you just got to hope that you do enough of the the right things right, mm-hmm. and do some of the, a lot of the simple things right. I.e., take care of the football like you did last week, and hopefully you walk out of there with a W. John, 
What if I told you? What if I told you? Before Sunday's game, that this would happen for the Texans. Hank Dell will be carted off the field mm-hmm. in the first half. Davis Mills would throw a pass at quarterback. Cam Johnson would have to punt seven times in the game. He'd only go four of 16 on third down. He'd only rush for three yards a carry. Stroud would get sacked five times. Mm. John, what if I told you those things before the Texans even kicked off? What if I told you? Well, I would throw one at you. Mm-hmm. I would say, what if I told you the Broncos would be 0 for 11 on third down? That would complicate. I like that. That would complicate everything because you're like, oh, And then you can wow. say, and Russell Wilson only threw for 44 yards the first half alone, the worst half of his entire career, which is probably going to put him in Canton someday. Yeah, I, it, it would. I would have been really confused. I'd have been, I don't know. I, and I think that's kind of the way the game went. It, you know, it felt like it was a game that. You know, at 22 to 10, I thought, okay, you know, just put a couple more, not a couple more, put another score up there, make it 29 to 10, and you'll mm-hmm. feel like you got it. But, you know, you settled for three Matt Amendola field goals. And I, I totally agreed with the first one to get his confidence back to give him an easy three-pointer. Okay, good. But, you know, the fact that you had to settle for two other field goals on drives and you, know, you gave up that long ball to Corlin Sutton, which, by the way, was as pretty a throw as I've seen all year long, and I've seen every single C.J. Stroud throw up close. Mm-hmm. That throw over Muscle Wilson was as good as it got. I mean, it was it was so incredibly good. Um, but what you said, I would have been like, okay, they're not winning this game. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's not a there's there's not a, a chance, and you know what, of winning this game. But Nico, the three things that I just mentioned. You mentioned one, the one I mentioned. 0 for 11 third down. You mentioned Russell's 44 yards passing. I will mention Nico Collins, 9 for 191. Mm-hmm. And three massive chunk plays of 39 yards or more. Mm-hmm. Huge. 39, huge. 52, and 59. Now, you throw in there the throw that Stroud made to Mechie where Mechie's wide open. He just overshot him a little bit. That should have been seven points. That should have been another touchdown. Mm-hmm. He had the three field goal drives. At least one, maybe two should have been touchdowns. Um, and now you're looking at what? Uh, and then you probably shouldn't have given up one. Jimmy Ward goes out of the game, and all of a sudden they go bang, bang, and they're down in there, and they score a touch to make it 20-17. Either way, that, that should, have, should have probably been a 34-17 game. That's that's kind of the way it felt. Arizona should have been that way. Yeah. Um, you know, Jacksonville shouldn't have gotten, you know, even a 24-21, but, you know, so be it. Um, but I would have, if you would have told me those things, I'd have been like, all right, well, I they're, guess. They're winning, basically, and they – after every game, and you could say this surely after every, you know, even if you win 63 to nothing, you say, well, we got some stuff we got to clean up. But they yeah, really yeah. do have things they need to clean up, but they are still winning games. Right. They're winning games against good teams, good quarterback. I mean, they are making it happen when they're not at their best. And that's got to make you excited yep. about this future. And when I say the future, I'm not talking next year. I'm talking this game, the game after, you know, the next month or so, because every single game is absolutely winnable for the Texans absolutely winnable. I'm yeah. not saying they're it's a slam dunk that they're going to roll the table or win you know run the table, but every single one of these final 5 winnable. Yeah, totally. I mean, there are some that dabble in that the the dark arts that will tell you that they'll be favored in every game the rest of the year. Now, do you think they'd be favored against Indy? I mean, that, we got a long, one, we got a long way to I, go. I know they I I know they would say that. I I'm with I think the Indy game would be close. Yeah. And it also kind of depends on what's on the line in that indie game, right? By the way, but all things being equal, 
I like the quarterback that's uh, suiting up for for this team better than the one. Oh, I do for that one, and I think that one's a good one. And I think Carter that's probably that's probably the reason that the Texans are going to end up being favored the rest of the way. So mm-hmm. if you look at it, you got Jets, Titans, Browns, Titans, Colts, Jets. You don't know who the quarterback is. Titans, it's Will Levis. Browns, it's you don't know. Probably Flacco. Probably Flacco. Maybe DTR. You don't know. Um, Levis again, and then you got Gardner Minshew. Well, for the Colts to very end, you know, at the end of the season, as it looks, as it looks right now. Well, you know, there have been murderers rows of quarterbacks that Texas have faced over the years. This, this is not that, um, you do have to play three games on the road. Um, these next two back to back. And you know, if you're kind of, if you're kind of playing it out, I mean, yeah, you're playing two, four and eight teams, but I don't want to say you want to split. You have to get a split out of it. You have to win your two games at home. There's no doubt. You have to beat the Browns and the Titans at home. So if you split these two, you get those two. Now you're three and one with one to go. And you don't know what, I mean, you have no idea. I mean, the playoffs could start that weekend. You know, you got to, you got to win to get in uh, sort of thing. So um, you never know what's going to happen in week 18. You know, Mark and I talked about these schedules and what you're looking at and who's got what the rest of the year. And you could argue the Texans have the quote unquote easier road, but you know, it's hard to say, you know, the Bengals, you know, you looked at it two weeks ago, the Colts had the Bengals coming up in Cincy. Well, they're thinking it's Jake Browning. He's, do you see what he did against the Steelers? We'll hammer him. Well, then you look at Jake Browning against the Jaguars. He beats the Jaguars on Monday Night Football, and now the game's back in Cincy. So that game went from being what looked like maybe a walkaway win with the Colts to, holy cow, that could be a 60-minute fistfight. So this whole thing is just really crazy uh, down the stretch. The good thing is of the seven and five teams that you're in with. So if you're just talking that side of it, mm-hmm. you beat the Steelers, you play the Browns, you lost to the Colts, but you play them again. Um, and then you play the, I think that's it. I think I hit them. Browns and Colts. Yeah. So you play the Browns and Colts, you beat the Steelers. Um, so you've got, you've got a really good road. You just have to take care of your business at this point. So, you know, these two road games are going to be tough outdoors, cold weather, uh, presumably outdoors in the rain this weekend. You never know what you're going to get in Tennessee. So you just, I'm not saying I want to split, but if you end up getting a split out of that and you just take care of your business at home, you'll be three and one going into the Colts. So you'll be 10 and six going into that final game and 10 and six teams have typically gotten into the playoffs, but you got to beat the right teams. The Colts would have to be that right team to beat. I want to be greedy. I don't want to split. I know you don't need that. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to I know, split, I know you want to be greedy too, but let's let's just I'm just saying that if you want to make the playoffs, you right. gotta have a split. Right, right, right. I know what you mean. It's all good. Yeah, no. Cream right. of the crop. The cream of the crop. Thank you, Macho Man. So Monday morning. Who are we gonna say, you know, presuming a, a Texans victory? Who's our cream of the crop award winner gonna be? The cream of the crop. It's I know you're gonna, it's so tricky doing this on a I, Wednesday morning before we see Yeah, I know. Because it seems like every Wednesday afternoon, it's like why the hell didn't that guy practice? Yeah, you know, you know we get stunned. Uh, I think one of our guys was Brevin Jordan last week. Felt like, all right, Brev's going to get out and Brev had a good choice. Good, you know, well. good, yeah. good choice by us. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Robert Woods. Mm. You know, Bobby Trees. The last few weeks, not as featured. You know, it's funny going back and watching the game, and they beat the heck out of him inside. I feel bad for Robert because a lot of times he's running all those those dirty routes inside. He's getting bumped. He's getting nudged. He's getting held, all that kind of stuff. 
I just feel like this week against the Jets, the ball's got to come out of CJ's hands quickly. Mm -hmm. And to be able to do that, I think it's got to be savvy zone finding hole finding receivers that have experience in Robert Woods is the first one that comes to mind. And he's not had one of those big ball games. He's been steady and he's been reliable. I feel like in a game in which the ball's got to come out of CJ's hands quickly, it's got to come out hot and it's going to come out fast. He's going to have to go like he did again in Baltimore. Now it's a long, long time ago, but against Baltimore, it's the same kind of thing. Third down. Who do you look up? He looked up Robert Woods. I think this is going to be that kind of offensive game. And Robert's going to have to end up being that guy doing all some of the dirty work on inside. So I'm going to go Robert Woods. I like that. Uh, I'm going to add on to that because I, I still think he, you're going to see a hundred yard game from him or two maybe. And I know the time is, is fleeting now, mm -hmm. but I've, I've been saying that since they, they sort of started getting rolling in week yep. four, mm -hmm. he's going to get his. And I, yep. that's a good choice because there will be attention on Nico Collins. There will be attention yes. on no, no Brown, even though yep. he had a tough, not a tough, but he just, you know, he had a quieter day yeah. on Sunday. I do think that's a good choice. Here's my cream of the crop award winner to be the cream of the crop. And it's Blake Cashman. Oh, okay. Former New York Jet. Oh, and I bet I bet, right, he's, revenge bet angle. he's thankful, but I bet he's thankful. Hey, they gave me a shot in the league. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got some chances there. But hey guys, you traded me away. Yeah. For a late round pick. Mm -hmm. I'm not playing like a late round pick. I'm I'm getting significant snaps. I'm starting sometimes. I'm I'm having to play a few different positions yep. at linebacker, but I'm I'm a difference maker. I've been the AFC defensive player of the week. Yep. Uh I think he gets a chance to feast this weekend on an offense that's man, all that's going on Struggling? up there. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Give me Blake Cashman. All right, good I, one. I think you've chosen him. Uh on either on this show or on Texans Extra Points, which you will be a guest on with Andy Kalu when we shoot it later today and it airs Saturday on ABC 13 KTRK it comes out Friday on YouTube, but give me, give me Blake Cashman. That's my crib of the crop award winner. Yeah. Good one. I, you know, I almost went Jalen Petrie. Yeah. I yeah. think he's going to, you know, he, we've heard what's going on, but I think he's, you know, I think he's going to be fine. He had a, I think he played better Sunday. Don't oh yeah. I thought he played well Sunday. And it's it, nice having Jimmy Ward back. It's nice having the, the two corners. It's nice having the starting secondary that you thought was going to be the one in 2023 yep finally get to play together in week 13 for the and it made a difference it made a massive sure difference did. having all those guys back together um because at that point if somebody goes down well you're bringing in somebody that's had some experience um and has been in the fires you know jimmy goes out dhc's got to come in um now the texans add adrian amos uh to the back end just you know, for you know a veteran savvy a guy that's been around so uh, interesting things going on in the secondary, but just the fact that you had the four guys that you wanted to start the year with mm -hmm. healthy and ready to go. And they all made, and they all made, they all made plays. Yes, they did. They all made plays. That was a fun Sunday. And it, it was capped off between Jimmy Ward's interception and you and I walking down the tunnel, doing our app, our post game in the lab. I, I got a, an interception or excuse me, an interview interview with the interceptor. Yeah. Jimmy Ward, and it was a lot of fun. That was good. Uh, I, I did some wrestling, Mean Gene Oakland. I kind of played up the crowd, got him. <laughs> it was great, got man. Some, uh, really good. Years going, but that was cool. But anyways, John, it's always fun talking with you. You're you're a cream of the crop award winner every oh, single You were kind, my good friend. And uh, we thank you for the time. Now it's time to get weird with Shaquille Olajuwon Mason, number 69, Shaq Mason. He's been a constant up front for the Houston Texans at right guard. Really fun convo with him here 
is a snippet of that. When blank talks, I'm locked in and I'm listening. D'Amico. D'Amico Ryans? Okay. All right. Anybody else outside of football? Outside of football? Yeah. I'm a mom. Yeah? Yeah. How often do you get to talk to her? Uh, I talk to her every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every day. Now, after a game, when she talks with you, is she fully supportive? Is she breaking down errors somewhere in the middle? What's she like? She's definitely critiquing. Like, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. like a <laughs> – she's very – how can I put it? Like, she's, she knows my position very well, and, like, she can point out if something goes wrong, she can point out line play. Like, she, she's pretty on it. She, she knows like her that. stuff. Yeah, she's been like that my whole life. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. How long have you been playing ball? Uh, since I was five. Five. So she's been at every practice and yeah. game pretty much all yeah. the way through. Football, basketball, and baseball. There you go. Okay, if you were not playing pro football but you could play another professional sport, what would it be? If you could choose. If I could choose, baseball. Baseball? You played a little bit or you I played did. a lot growing up? I played a lot. How, played how, a lot how far? Uh, High school? I played, yeah, I played until junior year. What position? Third base. So you got an arm. Yeah. Got an arm. I mean, if you could throw from third base, you could yeah. throw football, huh? <laughs> played the high corner, though. I played basketball, too, but I'm 6-2 on a good day, so yeah. I mean, basketball probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have worked out. I hear it. So you're from Tennessee. You went to Georgia Tech. Are you a Braves fan, Chipper Jones fan? or? Yeah, I like, uh, I like the Braves. I like the Braves going up. And I think uh, being from Tennessee, that was that was our team. You know, sure. Everybody from Tennessee liked the Braves. So. They're kind of the team of the South, really, yeah. in baseball. Who is your favorite baseball player ever? Favorite baseball player ever? Probably David Ortiz. Really? Yeah. How come? Growing up, I was number 34 because of him. He was a power hitter. Once I went to the pages, got to meet him, and, you know, it was pretty much, you know, a connection from there. You're, you said you're 34. That's also fitting because your middle name is awesome, and it's Olajuwon. Olajuwon, obviously 34 here in Houston, so we love that too. Absolutely. Did you get a chance to say hi to him last week? He was uh, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. Have you ever met him? Never met him. Oh man, met we, Shaq though, but yeah, you met Shaq. Yeah, but yeah. Met, man, we dropped the ball on that. We should have made that happen. You need yeah. to, you need to meet uh, Dream next time he's here. Okay, what's the most embarrassing thing that you've ever worn? Three, four Halloweens ago, I was dressed up as Scooby Doo with my kids. So that's not embarrassing. Probably. You're being a dad. That's cool. That's great. <laughs> I like it. Scooby Doo is fun. What music would you want played every time you walked into a room? Kind of like entrance music, walking into a room. What song would you want, or what music would you want? Would definitely be some form of hip hop. Specific song, probably be Nipsey Hussle, Don't Take Days Off. Like okay. I've listened to that song every game day for since college. So That's like, the one, huh? Yeah. The animal that you'd most want as a pet and you knew it would never go crazy and just like kill everything in its path. So any animal basically you could choose to have as a pet. I'd have a lion. A lion? That's I think the common choice around here <laughs> when I've asked that question. Oh, what's the best Christmas gift you ever got? Crazy one. One Christmas, I got Shaquille O'Neal jersey. That was the when he was with the Heat, the the throwback where they had you know how they had the black, the pink, the uh-huh. the stripes. Oh yeah, side. like the Miami yeah. Vice style. There we go. Yeah. yeah, probably one of my favorite Christmas presents growing up. He's one of the most dominant players of all time. So, what do you think is most impressive about him? His basketball stuff or his business acumen and all he's done off the court? I'd probably say his business side of it. You I mean, it's remarkable. I mean? It is. It's crazy because he had the physical tools to you know do the basketball stuff, but to have the maybe even more success off the court as wild. What was it like when you met him? What'd y'all talk about? Just growing up, how, you know what I'm saying, how I was named after him and things like that. I mean, and to this day, I mean, we still we still talk. I probably talk to him maybe, probably like twice a month. You know, he, really? we just, you know what I'm saying, chit-chat, check in and see how everything's going, so. 
That's awesome. We got to get him out to a Texans game. It'd be, uh, it'd be fun to see him here. Get him and Dream together because I know he's a big fan of Dreams. Yeah. He's a big fan of Yow's too. My most chill teammate is who? LT, for sure. Larry Tuttle? Yeah. How come? He's just a even kill, never too high, too low, just never rattled. But you know, you see him walking and it's, <laughs> he moves gracefully. You know, he's just, just a chill dude. Okay, the teammate who gets you the most amped up is who? Probably Jimmy Ward. Really? Yeah. How come? Jimmy's a, uh, he's an electric guy. He is, and he, he brings a lot of energy each and every day. So I'd probably say Jimmy probably gets me amped up each That's and every day. And his locker is two, two lockers down, so. How do you like that? Have you, because I imagine before you came here, you were like most NFL locker rooms. And it was like this before D'Amico got here, where the offensive linemen were all together. The receivers were all together. And so it was all by position group. And usually the defense was on one side, the offense was on the other. There's a little pocket in the middle with the special teamers. How do you like right. that, that mix-up? of? I like kinda... it. I like it a lot. It was when, when it first happened, I'm like, <laughs> what are we doing? But, <laughs> but um, you know, as the weeks grew on, I'm like, I kind of like this over, you know what I'm saying? Because we, we see the position group all the time, you know. So you around new people, you know, you get to know each teammate differently. So, I mean, I, I, like, the, I like the setup now. Yeah, and I, I don't, off the top of my head, I don't know exactly who you're next to, but he's there. I know Tank Dell and Dalton Schultz are kind of close by you, yeah, too. It's, so it's me. I'm, I'm right here. Sting, Jimmy. Derek Stingley and Jimmy then, Ward. Yeah. Uh, it's Noah, Tank, then uh, Dalton. Noah Brown, Tank yeah. Dalton. That's, man, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of explosion right there. <laughs> okay, if you could choose anybody else on offense, doesn't have to be necessarily a lineman, but anybody on offense, and the defense calls and says, hey, we need this guy to fill in at a position on defense for a series. Who's going to fill in at any of the spots? Who's the best suited to play on the defensive side of the ball? I'd say me. Yeah, what would you play? I'd play a D-tackle. Okay. Would you mess with some guys? I think I would. I mean, I'm high school. I had 18 sacks my senior year, so I like to <laughs> tell, tell the D-line coach that all the time. How hard was it to give the defense up when you moved on? It was, it was hard because, I mean, I – I thought I was gonna play defense in college, but you know, once I got there, it was the triple option offense. So we were in <laughs> defensive line stances. So you know, the, the the switch was pretty easy. Okay, let's play make believe. You are who you are right now. Same size, speed, height, strength. You get to put on your current high school's uniform and go play a game with them. What's the stat line gonna be? And you can pick the positions. Doesn't have to be one, but you can play both sides of the ball. What are you playing? And what's the stat line gonna be? <laughs> I probably still play D tackle, but okay. style lines be a different, lot, a lot different these days. I mean, I however long the game is, I think I'd have every TFL sack. Because <laughs> you just said you eighteen name. sacks in a season, you could get right. that in a game, yeah, right? Yeah, I'd probably get that in a game. All right. Would you touch the ball? Would you be a ball carrier on offense, or would you be probably a lineman? Not. Probably no. Not. Nah, you wouldn't. You give up that chance to to maybe tote the rock and. Uh, I, I yeah, I'd let that go just uh, because I know, even even high school kids, I. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I still don't want to be tackled. Okay, last thing. What's your favorite Christmas song of all time? Probably Silent Night. Silent Night? Yeah. Can you give us a little bit? Nah. <laughs> I had to try. <laughs> I had to try, Shaq. Well, Shaq, this has been a Drew's Dozen. Thanks so much for the time. Appreciate you. Awesome stuff from Shaq Mason. Thanks to number 69. And keep staying strong and blocking and making things move on offense. Okay, switching gears. We're going to talk with Caroline Hendershot of the New York Jets, covers the team up there. She'll be on the sidelines for ESPN Radio as well. This is a brief conversation with Caroline. 
Caroline Hendershot is the guest this week. She knows everything you need to know about the New York Jets. She's been with them a while. And interesting times there, interesting times here. And these two teams are going to clash. This defense is the thing that stands out to Texans fans and everybody the most as far as the biggest threat facing C.J. Stroud and company. These guys are rock solid at just about every level of the defense. What's been most impressive yep. to you, Caroline, with what they've been able to do this year and some of the, the struggles and challenges they've faced? Yeah, I think this defense is truly one of a kind. And I know early this season in training camp, they wanted to, they were talking about being that number one defense and they have really latched onto that goal and kind of taken off with it. Every position, like you've said, has a stud or multiple studs at it. So like you have the defensive back groups with Michael Carter, the second, who I don't think gets enough of a like shine because he's also partnered with DJ Reed and sauce Gardner who are two incredible cornerbacks and who shut down almost every wide receiver that they go against every week. But then you have two linebackers who could go to the uh, pro bowl this year in CJ Mosley and Quincy Williams. Quincy Williams is having like his best year that I've ever seen him play football in. And then, of course, the defensive line is just out of control and they have so many good players that just rotate through that defensive line and one being Bryce Huff, who is having a bit of a breakout year with the amount of pressures that he gets and Jermaine Johnson, who was a rookie uh, last year and has been having an incredible sophomore season. So I just think that this group really is uh, kind of getting better each week and fixing a lot of the maybe weaker points of their game. So like last week, for example, against the Falcons, they had been letting up 140 rush yards per game, right? They only let the Falcons rush for 90. So it's those kinds of incremental steps that they're taking each week that I think it makes them a really special group and really hard to play against, especially on the road for the Texans. Caroline Hendershot of the New York Jets covers the team up there. Just ticked off a list of names who have been yeah. super impressive. It's a real luxury to have. You know, one of those names is Sauce Gardner. He mm -hmm. has looked every bit the part of a top five pick since he arrived there a year or so ago, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Like, I think last year, everyone didn't maybe expect him to come out in his rookie season and have the kind of dominant performance that he did and get put against some of these NFL veterans that he went against and shut them down as well. And he has just been a very consistent force back there. And I think that really helps the D-line because they know that they don't maybe have to get to the quarterback in their first move. Maybe they can get to the quarterback in their second or their third move because Sauce is not letting the quarterback throw the ball as quickly as they would probably like to. So he is really, really dominant. And DJ Reed, too. Like, mm -hmm. I know that Sauce is the flashy name, but DJ Reed has been out of this world as well. And he played at a Pro Bowl level last year and I think is playing again at a Pro Bowl level this year. So two really, really good cornerbacks. Of those personalities that you deal with there and get to interact with on the defensive side of the ball, who's been the most surprising to you? That's a really good question because I feel like it's funny because I feel like a lot of the defense is like really loud and kind of just in your face and like they know we're going to come at you with all we got and whatnot. But Sauce is kind of, and I'm he flips a switch when he's on the field, I'm sure, <laughs> but Sauce is definitely like very 
just kind of like reserved. And he's very similar to uh, Garrett Wilson in the sense that they just seem very mature beyond their years. Like you would never guess that they are as young as they are. And they just kind of have this wisdom about themselves and they carry themselves in a way where you're like, oh, I like would have never guessed that you're only in your second year. You seem so much older and like you've been through so much more. And Sauce has spoken about this. And he said a lot of that is because of kind of the tutelage that he's gotten from DJ Reed. It's going to be fun to see who of those guys matches up with yep. the Nico Collinses mm-hmm. and the Robert Woods and yep. Noah Brown. Te- Texas is going to be without Tank Dell, unfortunately. He's, he was he was ripping things up here in Houston as a rookie. Seven touchdowns already. That's a franchise record for catches by a rookie touchdown-wise in a season. Yeah. Tell me about Robert Sala and the job he's done because – one of the storylines entering this one is the D'Amico Ryans and Sala connection. We, of course, old people like me, remember when Sala was a really low-level assistant here with the Houston Texans, you know, when he was getting his start in the NFL, and Gary Kubiak was the head coach at the time. Sala was kind of a holdover from the previous regime, and Kubiak was just super impressed with Sala always being around the building, always having a good idea or two for such a young guy. But what have you mm-hmm. seen from Sala and, you know, the dynamic that, we're going to hear storyline wise with D'Amico Ryan's coming up this week. Yeah. I think Sala is just a coach that obviously his defensive background is so deep and you can see that in the jets defense in today's like in how they play and all of the preparation that goes into it. But I think something that maybe just like, gets grazed over with Robert Sala is just how detail oriented he is. He truly is like always in the building. There's never a time that he's not here and he is making sure each player is really on their P's and Q's. And he always says like football is a game of inches and it comes down to those little moments and he gets really on the guys about small penalties that we can fix because there's been a lot of penalties this year and the difference in penalties. Sometimes he's like, I like the aggression that they play with. Mm -hmm. So there's certain penalties where I'm okay with that, but there's other penalties where like, we can't have those kinds of things happen. And he gets really on those players and you can see them fix these things week in and week out and definitely like make concerted efforts to fix these weaker spots within, whether it's the defense, the offense, whatever special teams, but I think as a coach, it obviously always comes down to those details, and he is a big stickler on those details. Caroline Hendershot of the New York Jets covers the team up there. It's fun to hear some of those stories you just mentioned because you said every inch. We hear D'Amico Ryans quite often say, you know, fight for that last blade of grass, and it's come mm-hmm. to it's come to the fore for the Texans in a few wins this season. And Quarterback-wise, what's the story that you uh, you think and know is going to happen, and, and what are the Texans – going to prepare for because he was asked about it D'Amico Ryan about you know the uncertainty with the Jets quarterback position he said hey we got to focus on ourselves we got a lot to fix defensively mistake wise but what can you tell us from your end about the quarterback coming coming into today when we're recording it uh Robert Sala yesterday said that he's not there yet in terms of naming a starting quarterback so obviously last week Tim Boyle started and then Trevor Simeon came in and Tim Boyle was actually cut today so Tim Boyle's no longer on the roster so um right now it is looking like it's either going to be probably Trevor Simeon or Zach Wilson one of those two because those two have obviously been on the roster and playing and practicing with the team for the longest as of right now. 
who between the two of them, not sure who it will be, but we did hear that Sala said that Zach Wilson went into Robert Sala's office and kind of made a case for himself of why he wants to start, why he thinks he should be starting and playing for this team. So it will come down to Robert Sala and what he thinks is the best after watching the tape from Sunday and kind of making that overall decision. But that is all the information that they have right now, whether they'll name a starter tomorrow or whether it will be later in the week, we don't, we're not sure. So it's kind of a wait and see game, which I don't know if that is an advantage for the jets, <laughs> maybe having the Texans keep them on their toes, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. And weapons wise, whoever's throwing the ball, who is kind of on the rise in your estimation as far as look out for this guy. He's been playing a little bit better. He's getting more targets, so on and so forth. Could be a receiver, could be a running back, could be a tight end. This is a really good question because um, I think everyone obviously knows the big names like Garrett Wilson and Brees right. Hall, right? Those two stars at wide receiver and running back. But I think someone that is growing each week is Xavier Gibson. Now, he was the wide receiver who actually returned the punt against the overtime win against the Bills in week one back way back in September. Even if um, Austin alum, I believe, right? Yeah. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Puts his, puts um, his Axum Jacks hand signal up in here. Yeah. So we do down exactly. here. <laughs> um, so I think that he has been getting more and more targets each week, and he has been making something of them each week. So I think he's definitely someone that the Texans fans should be kind of on the lookout for he's definitely rising i talked to him after last week's game against the falcons and he was like there's still so much that i have to work on but i do think that i'm kind of catching up with the speed of the game and playing a little bit faster and picking up on those like small tendencies that rookies tend to not have right at the jump and so i'm excited to see kind of his career continue to go and grow you know, this Jets team is an interesting one because it was totally written off when, when Aaron Rodgers went down. And then, you know, they, they were hanging around and doing some things, going through a stretch that's tough right now. But clearly, they're not a group that makes it easy on you and has given up. Mm -hmm. Where do you see and what do you, what do you think resiliency, uh, what sort of reservoir of resiliency is there with this, this squad in your estimation? Yeah, I've talked to a lot of them, obviously, after the these past couple games where they've been on a little bit of a losing stretch. But I think that what stands out to me the most is just the same standard that they hold themselves to, like no matter what's going on around them, no matter what is happening, no matter if they're winning or losing they continuously hold themselves to this standard. And I think that, you know, Aaron Rodgers spoke earlier today on the Pat McAfee show, and he said it's going to show a lot about what kind of professionals these guys are and how they finish the next, like, so on games. Because it's it just really comes down to maybe things aren't working out exactly as you expected them, but, like, what are you doing to kind of put your all in and change this. And I know a lot of the guys are having that mindset. So I look forward to kind of seeing them battle this and try and bounce back from this streak. All right, Caroline Hendershot, we do appreciate the time. Best of luck this weekend and can't wait to talk to you again sometime down the line. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Many, many thanks to Caroline Hendershot. She delivered the goods. It's always good to catch up with her and we appreciate her time. We also appreciate John Harris. Shaq Mason, and most of all, we appreciate you for listening. Thank you so much. Make sure you remember to subscribe to this podcast so you can get it all the time and get your Texans fix on a regular basis. So long, everybody. This is Drew. Go Texans. <laughs>